Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It's time for a new episode of TNG. Hi, everybody. Welcome to TMG. I'm your host, Travis Patton Sr. I enjoy discovering and sharing real-life moments of inspiration from everyday people. And this show is about finding moments of inspiration for our everyday lives. And look, and if you're going to tell me something, then tell me something good. everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of PMG. I'm your host Travis Patton Sr. Guys real quick you know how we do it don't forget to visit our YouTube page that's tell me something good with the capital P. There it is guys right there on your screen. I'm so excited to be here today guys doing and sharing this episode with you and before we get started guys you know, I want to give a huge shout out to my biggest supporter, my biggest fan, my lovely wife, Nicole. Hey, girl, how you doing? I know you're watching. I know you're listening. Guys, I say this every time we have this show, and I mean this. This show has really taken off, and it's being heard in places all around the globe. Yeah, right now. Someone in Egypt is listening. Someone in Canada is listening. Someone in South Africa is listening. Someone in the Philippines and in Germany is listening to TMG. It's incredible. It's amazing. I'm so excited. And maybe this is your very first time tuning in. Your very first time listening to the show. Let me tell you, thank you. I'm so glad you decided to tune in. And maybe you found me by mistake. Either way, I'm glad that you're here. It's a Travis, hold on, man. I've been listening to your show since you've been starting, man. I've been with you since day one. Thank you so much for your continued support. Man, I'm so excited for tonight's episode. I can hardly wait. It's an episode that's really dear to my heart. It means a lot to me. But all my episodes means a lot to me. But this is a little special, you know. It's a little special to me. So I'm really excited to jump into it, guys. But you know how we like to do it here at TMG. Uh, before we get started, guys, though, this show is all about finding moments of inspiration with uh, everyday people uh, like you and with me. So if you have an inspiring story that you would like to share, drop us a line. That's T-E-L-L, me something, 21, at gmail.com. Now, you say, Travis, man, I'm a little camera shot. I do not want to come on camera, but I do know someone who has a story that is worth hearing. Drop us a line. Send us their information, guys, and we'll be more than happy to have them on the show. And you know what? You don't even have to say anything. You can remain anonymous. So how about that? Thank you very much. And guys, you know, there are a couple of affiliate sponsors uh, that are part of TMG. That's right. We have some affiliate sponsors. And guys, I want you to visit our sponsors who will help be a part of TMG. I'm going to play their information right now. After that, we're going to dive right into this show and we're going to get started. Walmart is a proud associate sponsor of TMG Tell Me Something Good podcast. Please use the special link bit.ly forward slash tell me something good and visit our sponsor. Remember, I may earn a commission when you buy through this link. Fanatics is the place to go for all of your officially licensed sports gear from your favorite sports and sports teams. Use the special link bit.ly 
forward slash tell me something 21 and pay a visit to our sponsor today. Remember, I may earn a commission when you buy through this link. And by Mint Mobile. Sign up and find the cellular plan that's right for you. Use the special link bit.ly forward slash tell me something mint and visit our sponsor. Remember, I may earn a commission when you buy through this link. There it is, guys. Don't forget to visit one of our affiliate sponsors by clicking on the link in the chat. Welcome, everybody. Keep joining in. Thank you for streaming, guys. There you go. I see you popping in. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Guys, uh, tonight's episode is one that means a lot to me. Uh, if you haven't heard or caught tonight's episode topic, tonight's episode is Fill the Gap. Yeah, Fill the Gap. Guys, uh, quick question. Did you know there are more than 400,000 children in the U.S. foster care system? And guess what? 5,700 are right here in my home state of Alabama. That's right, right here in Alabama. 5,700 are right here in our home state. Uh, and this is according to the Alabama DHR, so it's not a number that Travis pulled off the top of his head. Verified sources. Now, with numbers like this, it's no wonder the need for help in areas of foster services is growing. But can one person really make a difference? Is one person really able to change anything at all against such insurmountable odds? Children from all different backgrounds are waiting for someone to fill the gap. Guys, tonight's episode, tonight's guest is part of an organization that helps to unite foster governmental agencies, organizations, and local church foster care ministries to serve and provide resources for foster advocates. Uh, the name of the organization that he represents, guys, is the Foster Coalition. There it is right there on your screen, guys. Um, listen, uh, please give a huge TMG, welcome to our very special guest, Mr. Paul Berry from the Foster Coalition. Paul, what's up, my man? How you doing? Doing great, my man. How are you doing? I am excited. I'm happy that you hear it. Can't you tell, Paul? I think so. I think everybody can. <laughs> it's good to be here and I want to thank all the people listening in and watching. It's uh great honor to be here. Uh, listen, uh, I'm going to tell you this, Paul. I, I know you guys don't let Paul's serious demeanor uh, sidetrack you. The guy is split side funny. Uh, but uh, I'm honored that you are here, Paul. Uh, we're all honored that you guys decided to bring your cause to the show. Um, it's absolutely an amazing uh, thing. So I I'm excited to dive into it. I know everyone else is excited to dive into it. So what we're going to do, Paul, we're going to dive in because this is pretty good. Now, look, Paul, uh, you and I had a great conversation before the show. We did a lot of wonderful talking uh, before the show and got to know each other pretty well. Uh, please introduce yourself to everyone and just share a little bit about what it is that you do, Paul. Well, it's good to be here again, and I appreciate you having me on. But I'm Paul Berry of Foster Coalition. And again, what we do, we are uniting the advocates for foster care. What we are actually doing is uh, being a catalyst organization that is creating collaborative communities in each county of the state of Alabama. And we're right now working in the central side of Alabama, uh, getting this thing off the ground and running. And um, we're just uniting the local government agencies, which is the uh, judicial system, the DHR, the school system together with the local foster organizations, which could be anything from a, a adoptive agency mm. uh, organization working with those that are aging out, uh, a counseling organization, uh, clothing closet. There's about 40 in Shelby County here that we're, we're working in, and there's about 400 in Jefferson County, which is Birmingham. Wow. And 
it's, it's a lot of work just getting this thing put together. But uh, we're uniting those three with the church, and um, the reason for the church is two reasons. One is that that's the greatest resource for workers uh, that are fit to work in this system and help these children. Mm-hmm. But really, uh, the church can't do what the government does. And okay. The government can't do what the church does. Right, right. So if everybody's working together, there's nothing ever going to change for these children. It has to be a collaborative effort. Wow. Guys, did you hear that? It's not, and, and what I like what you just said, Paul, is that a lot of times we like to think it's going to be one entity is the answer for everything, and it's not. It, it's going to take all of us as a community, whether it's governmental, whether it's church, whether it's local, uh, whatever. It takes everyone to help these children. Absolutely amazing, guys. And, and true to the saying that it takes a village. Well, that village can compart- be part of a government, be part of the community, but if it does take a village, what does your village look like? So what is your, including your village? So I think a lot of times maybe the struggle has been one entity maybe trying to do or the burden has been on just one person or one entity and it's not capable of doing so. Awesome. Awesome. I love it, Paul. I love it. So I got, man, uh, I'm curious. Um, whenever I hear individuals talk about foster services and foster children, I get curious about different things about that person. So what made you want to do this as a career? Like, it, What made you want to do this? Well, it wasn't a choice. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait a uh, I retired uh, from doing financial planning uh, in January the 1st of 2015. Uh-huh. I was going to travel and have a good time and play golf and do a lot of good stuff, but uh, we felt like there was something wrong in our daughter's house, and my wife uh, found a verse that said that God will rescue the lambs. Mm. So she started praying that on January the 1st when I retired. On January the 7th, we had three kids. So I had a six-day retirement. (laughs) (laughs) So, and... uh, we had to carry them back and forth to school in a different mm-hmm. for you know a year and a half, and it took about five hours a day to do all of that. Wow! And wow! Activities, cheerleading, and stuff. So it was just a, a lot of outside activities that, that went along with it. So in May of uh, sixteen, you know, that was over with. Uh, but I came down with cancer in June of sixteen with mouth and neck cancer. And uh, I went into treatment for that, and then it went spread into my lungs after that, and I had treatment for that. In the middle of all of that, these kids were acting out. Uh, they were teenagers at that point, and, and I didn't understand that because that was a complete reversal from the way they had been behaving. And God kind of spoke and said that, you know, if these kids are living in a place where they don't need anything, they got a loving grandparents to take care of them, and they're acting out this way, how much more of those in the foster system are struggling? So he said, I really need you to get out and find out what's going on. But I said, you know, I you know, I can hardly get out of bed with all this treatment and stuff. So um, we just kind of left it at that, and then and I was treating these uh, kids with tough love, which mm-hmm. is... Uh, normal way that I thought, well, you're supposed to handle these kids, but I'd never heard of trauma. And mm. so My. January the 1st of uh, 21, I no longer had high blood pressure. I no longer had diabetes. I no longer had Barrett's esophagus. I no longer had Crohn's disease. And I no longer needed a CPAP, and I no longer had cancer. So God said, get off your butt. Wow. Wow. So... I went out and started talking to local um, and statewide foster organizations and agencies to find out what's the good, bad, and ugly out there and, and what are the real needs. And with that, you know, I found out that there was four major needs. And one is they need workers. Uh, CASA, which is court-appointed special advocates, uh, they needed workers. Uh, they need foster parents. Uh, there was about... Uh, maybe at 25 to 40 percent of foster parents uh, that are needed at this point. Um, They need mentors to work with those that are aging out and those that have already aged out. And there's really very few of those that even exist. 
they need uh, caseworkers at DHR. They said there's a 200 um, on any given day. They need 200 different caseworkers, and the turnover is pretty bad because a lot right now is because of COVID. Uh, that just created the big shortage, and not just in Alabama, but it's all over the country. And and they need, you know, just volunteers to work with local organizations. And need trauma counseling. Some ca counties in Alabama that doesn't even have trauma counseling. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there's, there's a big deficiency out there. But, again, it can be solved with uh, everybody working together. But, you know, I found that you know, kids are, when they come into the system, Mm -hmm. they're, supposed, they're supposed to be placed permanently within 12 months, and if they have one caseworker during that period of time, there's a 76% chance that that will happen. Right, right. But because of the shortages, and that doesn't happen that often. So that hmm. 76% success rate drops to 17.5%. So Wait, you go from 76 to 17? 17. So they have to start all over. Oh, and my goodness. So they stay in the system, and they're passed around the average. The home, they have three different homes on average, and those that age out can be anywhere from 12 to 30 different homes. Oh, my uh, goodness. They stay in that long. And, and the kids are broken up with their siblings most of the time, and that's another uh, trauma. Uh, Absolutely. They're, Absolutely. They're, they're suffering. So we need we had to figure out well how what is really needed to solve this problem. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think a lot of people, but uh, like you, Paul, nobody like you, no one thought to think. Well, what caused them to be in this situation? What trauma led to this? Because they were children. They're children. So they're born into a situation that existed before they got here. You know. They absolutely did nothing wrong to be in the foster system. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is consequences of the parents' behavior, and all they wanting is love. Exactly. Because they're born, and they're born, and they don't know what's going on. They don't know what the situation is. They don't have any idea of what the circumstances of why they were born. And yeah. the parents may not like the situation of how they got here, but the kids don't know. They're kids. Yeah. So, uh, and, and like you, a lot of us have said, well, they just need some tough love. Well, that might be the case, but if we remove the word tough, they just need love. They need love. And, you know, trauma behavior has to be treated totally opposite of tough love. You know, it, let me explain what trauma is. <clears throat> Trauma is uh, trying to get your needs met, but the normal way of getting them met doesn't work. Mm -hmm. For instance, when a child is born, they cry a lot, right? Right, right. They need things. What do they need? They need either food, they need a diaper change, <laughs> or, or they're hurting. Uh, yep, yep. So they cried in order to get those things recognized and that problem solved. Absolutely. The story goes, if you go to China and go to the orphanages over there, the quietest room in the whole orphanage is the infant room. Hmm. So they have cried and cried, and it didn't work, so they just shut up. So hmm. trauma, so as kids grow older, they learn other ways to get their needs met. So okay. They, all that is acting out, and the older they get, the more harsh the acting out gets. Right. Like three-year-old trauma is totally different than a teenager acting out in trauma. Correct. They, they have to be parented uh, differently. And the problem is most people don't know how to parent trauma. Mm. And that's, that's kind good. of one of the things we're trying to solve. But uh, <clears throat> they say that trauma of a foster child is worse than the trauma and PTSD of the veteran mm. getting treated. So that lets you know how, how bad it is. These kids it's pretty bad. They into the system and they work through the system, they'll ask themselves one of three questions. Will I lose one or both of my parents to death? Oh, wow. Addiction, desertion, 
or prison, that's their security. Right, if right. They, you know, that's their security. So they, and then they get passed around some more, and they, they lose even more of that security. Then they'll ask themselves, well, why am I on this earth? Nobody cares about me. Mm. I have no value. I'm not important. I have no value. So why am I here? That's the significance that we all need is, you know. Correct. Right. <clears throat> and thirdly, they will ask themselves, will I ever find someone that will love me as much as I love them? Jeez. You know, and when they can't get those answers, that's more trauma and more acting out. And I interviewed 27 aged out kids. Mm-hmm already out of the system so I, I listened to all of their stories of, of how bad it was and their events some good most of it like i said they lived in anywhere from 12 to 30 different housing situations uh-huh. so at the very end i asked them and said what is the one thing that would have made a difference in your life and the constant and the decisions that you made in life mm-hmm. they said if i just had one person that would have accepted me the way that I am. Wow. Give me some advice about life, guidance in life. Right, right, right. And would not have ever deserted me. Wow. Would have made all the difference in the world. Wow. So, as we say, they're just looking for Jesus with skin on them. They just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, is that, I like that. I like that. Jesus with skin on them. I like that. So, so one person can make a difference absolutely and give you an example of that who was the uh mvp of the super bowl two years ago two years ago oh god oh wait that was when uh kansas city won right i don't know unfortunately <laughs> most people can't answer that okay who was the Miss America two or three years ago? Oh, uh, yeah, you, you got me on that one. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who's even the Secretary of State? That's a big, important position today. Oh, yeah, that's a that's another one. Yeah, that's a good question. Nobody knows. But these are very important people that have accomplished a lot. and But nobody can really recognize who they are. So I ask you another question. Can you... Would you be able to name somebody that made a big difference in your life? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So if you really want to be remembered, make a difference in somebody's life. Wow. Give some time to work with an individual, whether an aging out kid or somebody that's already aged out. I've got a partner in crime in this that he found out about all of this in Arizona. Mm-hmm. When he was at a foster conference, and a lady asked him and said, do you have any food left over at Thanksgiving? Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, what about Christmas? Yeah. Did, could you have had an extra chair? Oh, man. He said, well, of course. He said, but would you have let a youth that had been aged out of the system that has no family and no place to go come there and celebrate Thanksgiving and Christmas with you? Maybe even wash some clothes. She said, well, go do something about it. So he's part of my partner in crime in this. That's that's amazing. That's that's absolutely awesome. That's, so that's, one that's, person can make a big difference. Um, it may not make a difference in everybody's life, but it'll make a difference in one. In one person's all, life. You know, and you will be remembered. Wow. That is absolutely amazing, and and you're, you're you're absolutely right. There are people who accomplish absolutely great have have accomplished great things in this world, in the history of this world. And in order to even remember those th- individuals, we have to look them up either on the internet or on our phones or in a book. But if it's someone who made a big difference in our lives individually, we'll remember that person until the day we leave this earth. That's so. Right. Absolutely. So if you want to be remembered, make a difference in somebody's life, guys. I know you heard that idea. It rang a bell to me. He got some wheels turning to my head, uh, Paul, uh, and that's a good thing. Uh, don't, don't let him close your eyes. 
clog up. No, no, no. When they start turning, they don't clog up, buddy. <laughs> uh, what are some of the you've been in the so you've been working with uh, foster ch children for a while and in the system for a while, and so I means you've probably seen a lot of stuff. You've probably seen a lot of changes, things coming left and right. You've probably seen new ideas pop left everywhere, kind of like popcorn, you know. Uh, what are some of the biggest changes? in terms of how things are done to help children that you have witnessed since you began? Well, I think the biggest change that we're trying to make now and have made is, is getting foster ministry started in churches. Okay. Because again, we need bodies. Number one, we need to stop the turnover. Uh, number two, number three is we need uh, all the organizations and these foster parents and mentors, whoever, uh, that's working with these kids, educated about where their resources are, how the system works. Right. Uh, and then we need uh, communication. Uh, you know, we we gotta get everybody talking together, working together, and so that they can solve these problems. And uh, communication is, and this whole system is really based on the Tower of Babel. You might remember that in the Bible. Oh, I do. I do. <laughs> They're building this tower to heaven, you know, and God looked down on them. He said, you know, if these people are united together, they can do anything. Solve a problem and can communicate. There's absolutely nothing, nothing that they can do. That's right. And so that's where we're at. We've united all the organizations, government churches together to solve a problem. Uh, with the foster system, and we got communication uh, systems going to where they can talk with each other and work with each other. But um, you know, there, there's another big one there that is needed is the image of the foster kid. Wow! Wow! That's that's and, a and and bad press sales. Yeah. That's reason I like your show so much. I mean, I, I just <laughs> thank you for the people that are listening because good news encourages. And, uh, and and bad news make you depressed. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I'm glad. You know, I I told you how the show got its name and where it came from. But I I wanted to uh, to give back. I dealt with so much stuff in my life. I wanted to make sure that I had a platform uh, like this where individuals who may have not had a voice could have a voice and could have some good news. And this is certainly some good news for children in the foster system who are foster children to know that there are people who care. There are those out there who would like to make a difference. And to be honest with you, Paul, some of us didn't know how. They didn't know where to begin. Some people wanted to know, what could I do if I, wanted, if I really wanted to help? What could I do? Guys, stick around. Uh, I'm going to provide Paul's information at the end of the show. And you'll have all the opportunity, like I will, to join in uh, with Paul and partner with Paul. And like he said, it takes a community. And so stick around. Don't go nowhere. Uh, I'll get that information. Uh, I remember something, Paul. I don't know. I'm going to date myself real quick, okay? I'm going to date myself. Okay. I'm not 25, everybody. I, I, I know you're watching. You're listening. You're timing in. Thank you for joining the show, guys. Thank you. Thursday night right here at 6.30. Uh, I'm going to date myself with this statement. So that's my disclaimer. Uh, <laughs> I remember uh, being a kid. I remember being a kid. And as a kid, they had these things that were called label makers. You remember those, Paul? They were plastic little... Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm dating myself. Uh, they're called label makers. Yeah, that was just yesterday for me. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I don't even know if they still make them, man. I might be sure, man. Uh, <laughs> but I remember they had these little plastic things, like little guns called label makers. They used them in, in grocery stores. There's always this one guy walking around the grocery store who had the label maker just labeling everything, just, just taking everything. My teacher had one in elementary school. Uh, and I know some of you that are listening, you're watching, you know, you remember label makers. If you do remember them, type it in chat, say, I remember. I know you do. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, so I remember them. And um, and this is like this little plastic tool, right, that you held in your hand, and you could design and print labels and kind of just 
stick them on things, stick labels on things. And I thought they were the coolest things ever. And I wanted one so badly. But my grandmother said, no, absolutely not. What are you going to do? Just put labels on everything. I was. That was my plan. Uh, my plan was to go through the house labeling everything. Window, door, floor, chair, refrigerator. I was going to put a label uh, on everything, man. I mean, but the only thing about that, the problem with that was this, that sometimes things got mislabeled uh, and you would have to peel off the label and then create a new one but what I've come to find out Paul in this age of technology and now in the age of AI and as technology grows and as this culture grows as people grow and sometimes we become uh, desensitized to different things and desensitized to uh, certain individual, individuals but this is a type of society and culture that we're living in now where things are labeled labels are placed on everything and people one of the biggest problems of course with labeling everything uh my man is sometimes things do get mislabeled and sometimes foster children have to grow out of a label that's been placed on them before they even had a chance to defend themselves from it now i'm talking of course about stigma right? Stigmas on mental health. You mentioned it, trauma. Uh, they're dealing with different traumas. No one knows that. No one even thinks about that layer, that layer of things. And all of a sudden, they're labeled. They just get labeled. They play a part in a lot of the decision that society makes today. So uh, my question, I'm just kind of curious, just thought in my head. Um, are there any stigmas associated with foster care or foster children that you have to address um, when you speak to potential parents or interested parties considering a foster service such as the organization that you're a part of? Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online masters of social work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I think the main thing, as you've said, is trauma. And the image of a child in the foster system is that it's just a, an acting out little hula. And that is ugly, uh, weird. And But then when you go see a bunch of these kids, they're just normal-looking and acting children um, just trying to survive. You know, a lot of the image that the children get are based from the image of the, their parents that got them into the system altogether. And that's not good. You know, the children coming out of uh, homes of, where drug addiction has occurred and is prevalent, and the number has risen uh, 300% in the last few years. So these kids get placed with that kind of a, an image and it gets to the point of where even people don't want to work in the foster system because of the behavior and the image that is portrayed out there. And as I said in the beginning of the show, only news that's really portrayed out there is bad news. And DHR, it only gets bad news. And so uh, we need good news. So I got a partner in crime. As I said, Mike Owsley, he's actually, uh, he's a TV producer. Hey, Mike. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he is, um, he's, he's been up to three Emmys. And, wow. And he does 70% uh, of Alabama public television's TV. Wait a minute, 70% of the TV here in Alabama? 
in Alabama. He does documentaries from uh, Auburn and Alabama, uh, programs that they have down there that they're trying to get people to understand. But, you know, he, again, caught the image of this when he was asked to go and do something about this. So what he is doing is producing nine one-hour documentaries mm -hmm. about the foster kids and the foster system and trying to uh, change the image to what it really should be. Right, and right. We have uh, one that's already been produced that uh, if anybody wants to look at it, they can go to our website at fostercoalition.org, and it, there's a link there. You can watch it. it, it this one is on the joy of being a long-term foster parent. Wow. And it, it's very moving. And we've got another one that's coming out in August uh, 24th at 9 p.m. on Alabama Public Television. And it's about the um, foster uh, caseworkers. And this is very, very interesting and mm -hmm. very moving. And uh, because they have a bad image, too. And, I like that. I like that. And, and because those are the needs, but people need to understand that uh, all you're really trying to do is heal hurting kids. Wow. And, and they just need love. And a lot of people say, I don't want to be a foster parent because I don't, I don't want to, I love them too much. Well, that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> so that's what they're waiting on. Please love me yeah. too much. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, but it is hurtful when you have somebody for several years and, and you really fell in love with this kid and all of a sudden they get placed back with their birth parent and, or a relative. Right. And, yeah, it hurts. Uh, and, and there's trauma there for the foster parents. But, you know, you got to look at what's best for the child. It's always what's best for the child, not what's best for me. And so all of that image has to change. And there's... Some counties said we can't get foster parents because of the image of the children, mm. and, and that's wrong. Totally yeah. wrong. Yeah, and and, and and like you and I said earlier, Paul, they're children born into a situation that they aren't aware of what's going on. They have no idea. When when I was born in Mount Vernon, New York, I had no idea I was in New York. <laughs> I had no idea. I don't. I don't remember being born. I know I'm here, but you know the children. You know, they're born in traumatizing situations. And so they can't help but that trauma gets on them and it gets in, can get in them. And so a lot of the behavior they get is because they were already traumatized or born into traumatizing situations that they had no opportunity to even to defend themselves about. You know, if, if someone would say, hey, Paul, you know, you're too short. Well, if you're... You know, six months old, you, you can't defend that. You don't know how to fight that. So you become, you know, you become what's around, what's around you. You emulate your surroundings. You emulate what you see. Some may act out. Some may do this. But you don't know how to properly defend it when you haven't been given the proper tools because you're in a traumatizing situation. So when we see children in the foster system, yeah, they get that whole bad rap that they're just somebody else's problem. I don't want somebody else's problem, child, instead of thinking, well, what caused them to have that problem? What started that problem? Because they weren't born with a bad attitude. They were born acting out. Something caused that. And great way to bring up that point, Paul. And Mike, we want to get you on the show if you're doing documentaries, Mike. There's a shot. Just let you know. Uh, we may have to get you on the show, man. <laughs> Are there any out? So that makes me think, distant. Are there any outlining factors that play a role in the number of foster children and young adults? What any outline? You mentioned drugs, kind of do it. Parents, uh, uh, a situation, things like that. Do they kind of? Those are some things that kind of add to it. Yeah, I think one big issue out there is grandparents raising grandkids. Mm. You know, there's 120,000 somewhere around that number in Alabama. Mm-hmm. And they get no recognition. They get really not very little, if any, help. But they're dealing with child, children also, even just like I did. Right. And they act because of trauma, and they don't know how to handle this either. So, you know, we're really trying to 
uh, recruit long-term workers through the church. We're, we're going to churches and say, okay, if, if you had a tools here to create a foster ministry in your church, would you want to do it? And they said, yeah, because I don't even know what a foster ministry is supposed to do, how it looks like, what it's supposed to accomplish, or anything. So we're providing, providing free uh, a ministry tool that was developed in Atlanta with an organization called Promise 686. Mm-hmm. And it operates in 1,400 or so churches around the country. Oh, wow. So it's a pretty big pretty big organization there. Pretty big organization. And and what we're doing there is we're giving that to them. And then what Foster Coalition does is come along beside the lay leaders and walk them through how to start and implement and manage a foster ministry in a church. And it doesn't require any time from the pastor, so it, and it, we're not charging them anything. So I'm trying to overcome all excuses not to do it as possible. Right, right. So then once we get it started, one of, the, one of the main things that we're trying to get started is where every foster parent in that church, or in, and if you have, don't have any or many there, they can go outside of the church and, and find foster parents that need a support group around them. That's nice. That's good. That's good. Because I, I honestly, I don't see how a foster parent can make it any length of time uh, without some kind of support. Because taking care of a traumatized child is equal to maybe two, sometimes three other children. Because you got to take them to counseling. Oh, yeah. You all these other activities that they have to be in, go to court. Right, uh, right, right. Well, you know, if they don't have somebody to help them with babysitting while they're doing that or or take them a meal once a week so they don't have to cook and they can just fellowship with one each other. Um, babysit so the parents can go out um, and get a life a little bit and have a life. I know, right? Absolutely. I like a life. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, you know, that, you know, the, the normal statistics uh, for foster parents is that there's a 50 to 100% turnover every year. Mm. But if they just had a support group around them, that goes to uh, only 90%. Well, we'd still be there in one year. So you really reduced it down to 10%. But the other thing that we're trying to do is we get the organizations out here to teach uh, these foster parents and mentors and other people that are looking at coming into the organization and working in some form, shape, form, or fashion as to what are you getting into so that they know what they're getting into. And there we, we got maybe a judge come in and talk about what is a the legal system do? What's the judge do? What does the HR do? Um, what does a CASA worker do? What is an ISP? What is a GAL? Um, and what is the Bill of Rights of a, of a foster parent? And so they're equipped to understand, well, this is how the system works. And then we come in, another one may talk about resources. Where do you find help? Uh, how do you get things paid for? And what's the process and the procedures? Others may come in and they will talk about trauma, recognizing trauma. And the trauma of a three-year-old is totally different than a trauma uh, of a teenager. And how do you parent those? And because parenting is the most important thing. And, and there's, you know, we have an organization come in. How do you recognize um, sex abuse, physical abuse, or emotional abuse? So that they are really equipped for what they're getting into, and we're also having the church um, take the potential workers through a 30-day um, devotion book called Ready or Not that helps them determine: Are you really called to do this? And and what do you do? You know what you're getting into, so that you're prepared for it. And those that go through all of that, the statistics are that 80% of them will still be there in five years. Wow. Uh, so. so we're trying lower the turnover, get workers, and educate them all about everything, and then get them communicating. So we'll have fellowships for all of these workers so that, especially for the leaders of the organization, where they can come in and fellowship with other churches, leaders. And, exactly, uh, exactly. And what are you doing? How are you doing this or whatever? And then we may have a DHR worker or a CASA worker or come in and talk about what are the what's the urgent needs that we have to have right now. Correct. So they be focused on what they need. Uh, so we're here to solve problems. And uh, we've gotten uh, the 
all the organizations that work with the agent now <clears throat> together to discuss what are the problems and what needs to be fixed. You know, we find out right, well, right. seventy percent of all the people that are in our prisons today mm -hmm. have a foster system. Sixty-five percent of those that are rescued out of sex trafficking have been in the mm. foster system. Sixty-five percent. Yes, and the life expectancy of a person in sex trafficking is only seven years. They have a seven-year lifespan. Oh wow! So we're not only trying to help the child now, but to help save their life. The entire life, their future, their 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 whole everything. Wow! It, so. If you, that, are, that age out right now are immediately homeless. Right, right. This is nationwide, not just Alabama. Nation. So across the nation, this is this is something that occurs across the nation. So whether you're here in Alabama, or whether you're in in, in Pennsylvania, or whether you're in Chicago, or, or Florida, uh, wow. It, it it may fluctuate a percent or two in each state. On right. These numbers, but they're all about the same, and. Uh, but they're just innocent kids that didn't have a way to make it. You know, when they age out, you know, they all have a, in Alabama, they have a 100% college education paid for. But only 3%, 3 to 5% take it. Wait a minute. Wait, wait. When they age out, they have yeah. college paid for? Paid for. But only maybe 3% take advantage of that opportunity. And, and I didn't know that. They so don't. they age out of the system, and they age out with college ready for them, but only 70, a few. Yeah, and seventy percent said I would have taken it if I'd known about it. Wow, that's, that's information that's, right there. That's understaffing, and you know, and they can get other trade schools uh, paid for and all of that. And but they got they need a job when they get out, right? Right. How are they going to get to work? Hmm. They don't have a car. They don't have transportation. So they have to turn to illegal activities in order to survive. And those that are in five or more uh, homes while in their foster, foster uh, stay, 90% mm -hmm. of that 5% or the five-year holding period will commit crimes. So if they have five, foster, five or more foster homes, 90% of them will commit a crime. Wow. That's the reason there's so much in the, in the but they're just trying to survive. Right, right. they're not right. what they're getting into. And that's the reason they need mentors to come along beside Correct, them. correct. That was my next thing. That's where mentors come in. It, yeah. But again, it still has, Paul, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Uh, they're trauma, they're in trauma, born into traumatizing situations. So yeah. the behaviors represent or emulate traumatizing behaviors and so they they bring trauma on society because they're stuck in this entire internal cycle. It's this yeah. internal cycle that's going on inside them that someone said, well, had I known <clears throat> once I get out of the system, age out of the system, I could go to college, I would have taken that opportunity. Right. But because I didn't know about it, here I am. That's where the mentor comes in. They just, <clears throat> they just come in, take them to a ball game. Right, right. And, um, just lay around and just shoot the bull um, and develop relationships. Find out what they like and what you like and go do something together. Exactly, exactly. Whatever. Teach them how to drive. The average age of those that I talked to, that when they learned to drive, they were 25. Wow. You know, so they can teach them how to drive, uh, maybe even help them get a job. Uh, how to keep a job, how to quit a job, um, so that they can know about life and how it functions. And they're going to stand a better chance of getting out. Maybe they can even help them get a, a, a car. We have a an, uh, an organization that we work with here in, in Birmingham called Hearts of Wheels. Mm -hmm. and him and his, his another old retired codger like me. <laughs> <laughs> Retired, and him and his wife, they will uh, raise money to buy cars, and they will fix them up. They got organization or other dealerships and, and mm -hmm. auto uh, operations out there that will fix up these cars at cost or nothing. And so, twice or three times a year, he will give away the cars. They give away about twenty-five cars a year. Wow! 
<clears throat> but then they may give out 10 cars at a time and he may have a hundred kids applying for that those 10 cars oh wow so he has to go through and interview all of them and determine who needs it who more. needs it more wow yeah. that's a well, that's a tough decision to make that's a really that's tough a decision thing, but he teaches them how to drive he'll ride back and forth with them to work because they mm -hmm. gotta get a job he helps them get a job he rides back and forth I think in Alabama you got to have 75 hours of driving time to get a license. So he, he does that, and then he has he gives them the license. He has developed this program that he sees them taking the test and studying and all that stuff. And uh -huh. He takes them through a budgeting process. How do you handle how you handle your finances? Right. Yeah. So how do you what's insurance? You know you got to save up money and pay for insurance. Yeah. It's not just riding around. You you need the insurance, so the maintenance and upkeep of it. So he kind of gives them a life life whole life uh, uh, tools to kind of just kind of get themselves on their feet and to kind of remain on their feet. Yeah, and they got to they got to do some community uh, service work. Um, they have to save up enough money to get uh, to pay for their insurance. And uh -huh. over. But when he does sign it over, he still stays on the title for a good while because anybody that's up against the wall and they need some money, what are they going to do with that car? Sell that car. That's title match. Here we come. Here we go. We're going to go get rid of this car. We're going to sell the title of this thing. Absolutely. And then the car's gone. They can't do that. But once they uh, serve enough time and show them to see if they're good at what they're doing, they're going to follow everything like they're supposed to. He signs it over to them. And we were in that uh, conference that we were having with uh -huh. Kids, we had uh, five of these aged out kids do uh, some talks there, and one little girl was up there, and she saw him sitting out in the audience. <clears throat> she said, "You probably don't remember me, but you gave me a car, and I still have it." Whoa! So that leads right into my very next thing I was that came across my mind. What difference can one person make in the lives of children? And here it is, this one person, she she remembered it and came, walked up to him and said, hey, you don't remember me, but I remember you. And I guess that's what it's all about. It's about making, creating an experience or a moment where they will remember us, where the children remember us. Um, so all type of children, all type of help rather is needed. To kind of fill the gap, all all and guys, all of this we're talking about tonight. Everything we've been talking about, we've been talking about fill the gap, ways to fill the gap with love, with caring, with uh, mentorship, with ca being caseworkers. All these things, uh, foster parents, are ways we can help fill the gap. Uh, so all type of help is needed to fill the gaps in the lives of the children. Uh, foster parents, mentors, social workers, uh, churches, organizations. So, guys, if you're a church, you have a church, maybe your pastor, talk to them about it. Say, hey, guys, uh, have you ever thought about doing a foster program? Uh, have you thought about having a uh, foster ministry for children? It's a great way to get out into the community. It's a great way to show a large footprint in the community. And, again, he said it doesn't require any time of your pastor. It doesn't cost you any money. You don't have to have a church building fund for it, uh, <laughs> for that. Uh, everything is taken care of to come and 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 teach and educate and provide the tools. Uh, is there a specific level of education or degree required to be part of this? Can someone with a, a bachelor's degree or associate degree uh, be a caseworker, social worker? What, is there a specific the degree level? Well, we have a slogan: Everybody can do something. <laughs> <laughs> For a foster parent, all that's required is. You know, they're going to do background checks on it. So you right, right. A uh, pervert out here trying to get the kid. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so, you know, and that's basically the only requirement. You've got to have proper housing and, and those kind of things to fit. Uh, and, and same thing for even adopting a child. And right, right. We've had several that wanted to adopt siblings, but they didn't have a, an extra bedroom because they required a one child per bedroom. Oh. You know, so when I was a kid, there were six boys of us, you know, we six <laughs> No, it seemed like four or five of us in the room. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> That's no big deal. We just fought each other. Yep. <laughs> but those are requirements. There's 
sometimes tough to meet. So, you know, there, there's a lot of ways that those people need to be helped. And Correct. So it doesn't matter if you've done hammer nails or, or do what. You know, you, everybody can do something. But a foster parent just needs to have a clean background and a heart and love, willingness to love. And a CASA worker, basically, that's a 10 to 15 hour a month uh, volunteer position. They mm-hmm. work with the judge. And believe it or not, there's no requirements there other than a clean background. Wow, that's good. That's good. And, uh, so any retired old codger like me or somebody that's not working that wants to spend 10 or 15 hours work, you know, they'll just, they're assigned a case and they'll go do background. They'll talk with teachers and counselors and family members and everybody that's involved with that child and help determine what is the best thing that this kid needs. Wow. And recommend that to the judge and judge can do that or do work with the DHR to get it done and there it goes. <clears throat> yeah, the caseworker has to be a social worker. Okay. Uh, but they need to be called to because it's a really emotional, stressful job. I can imagine. I can, I can imagine. So they got to know what they're getting into just like a foster parent does. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, and it's a good entry level job. But it, it can then be a, a very long-term job, and it's great for people that have already have a social worker degree that are no longer working in that, but want to make a difference in a kid's life. You know, here's an opportunity to really come in. And again, uh, August 24th at six uh, at 9 p.m. Uh, watch the documentary. Uh, mentors, again, just a clean background. Just kind of all you got to have is just a willingness to and a couple of hours a week to talk to a kid or go visit with them or take them to a ball game or do something with them. And so, okay. And, or you may just want to be a, a volunteer in a church to help a foster parent one, in one of these care groups. You don't even have to go to that church. Or you can have your oh, own that's community. good. That's good. You can have your own community. Hey, we just want to take them a meal once a week. We want to do some babysitting. You know, and how do they, what do they need? You know, right. Just, and communication to help them. You know, grandparents raising grandkids, they need help too. And Absolutely. People think that, that that's a, a rarity, but, you know, I was just thinking about my little street here, about a quarter of a mile long, there is four grandparent families raising grandkids. Oh, yeah. And two others that have adopted. You know, <clears throat> and, and adoption, you know, is the same thing. You know, you may want to adopt and but again, it's, it's about being equipped for what you're getting into and understanding trauma. And that's kind of what we're trying to provide those services for. Because Correct. There's an article in USA Today that where it had 66,000 children have been adopted out of the foster system and returned. Returned? Returned. If you talk about... Oh, I don't know you could return someone like an, uh, a pair of socks. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, they can do that, and you can't give away your own child, but <laughs> <laughs> but you can give away. That's 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 amazing to hear that. Ultimate pain. And, uh, yeah, a- absolutely. Talk about adding trauma uh, on top of trauma. I'm on top of trauma, but that's where they need support, just like a foster parent does, mm-hmm. and, and they they need trauma counseling. You know, there's a lot of organizations that really provide that. There's Children's Aid Society here in Birmingham. They will give counseling before you adopt and for years after you adopt. You know, Lifeline here does a lot of uh, mm-hmm. of uh, counseling trauma. And so there's, I don't know what there are in all the other counties in the state. Some maybe none, but um, there are some out there. But I would encourage anybody looking at adopting to go through the Ready or Not book to find out if you're really called to do this, because this is what you're getting into, and really understand trauma, because trauma is the number one issue. Wow. uh, Wow. So, let me ask you a question. Social workers. Uh, I'm sorry, social workers, do they have to have a certain degree level to work? Uh, Bachelors, associates? Yeah, just a bachelor's in uh, social work. Awesome. So a bachelor of social work, and it can come and, and get started with the organization. Absolutely. That's it. Yeah. And there's, like I say, they only need 200 on any given day. <laughs> <laughs> and, again, I would encourage them to go through the Ready or Not book to really, because it really helps you understand what you're getting into. And, uh, you know, 
contact us on our, on our website, just info at Foster Coalition, and ask us a question. You know. Oh, I'm going about this USA Today thing. Yeah, give me an article about trauma. Give me a right, you know, right, I, right. I would start a foster ministry in my church. What I do? Okay, we'll guide you through the process if you're not local here. So it and local, we you know we got people that really do that and. Uh, very beneficial, and but we're trying to reduce the turnover, and the only way to do that is really to help people understand what they're getting into, so they're prepared for it, and they're doing it out of love and called to do so. Wow, uh, that's that's absolutely amazing, guys. Uh, I'm going to get your get your website up here in a minute, so everybody could could view it. But first of all, I want to thank you, Paul, so much. Uh, I thank our very special guest, guys, Paul Barry. Uh, with the Foster Coalition for being with us today and for joining us. And I hope, uh, Paul, this will not be our last time. Let me just say this to you. Uh, and I know you have your colleagues and some other people listening. With you. Hey, Carolyn, by the way, I know you're listening, Carolyn. Uh, so uh, <laughs> uh, if there's ever uh, a chance, opportunity, you guys uh, need a platform, need to, need to come on, guys, you, you Carolyn, anybody, contact me. You have my information. You guys are always welcome here on TMG. Uh, he said, hey, Travis, uh, guys, we have something going on, and we would like to uh, have you guys, have you uh, talk about it or come on your show. You always have a spot here at TMG, Paul, uh, you and anyone else that you have there. But just don't ever worry about this being the last time. Uh, guys, I'm going to put up Paul's information uh, for us real quick. I'm going to take my mug shut off here, as Paul would say. And uh, I'm going to put up Paul's information. Uh, there it is, guys, right there. Uh, there it is. It's coming up on the screen. There is the Foster Coalition uh, dot org uh, PO box three eight two 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 four one. It's right there on your screen. Uh, if there's anyone who wanted to get in contact with them, uh, I'm going to actually show you their website uh, real quick so you can see it. There it is. That's their actual website. Uh, it has all great information on there right now, as you can see. It has resources for churches, agencies, and organizations. Also has the contact information. A way to donate and help out. We say, Travis, you know, uh, I don't feel led to be a foster parent or a mentor, but I do want to help in some ways. There you go. You can donate. Of course, is the about section as well. So you can also help us out in that in that area as well. So there we go, guys. Uh, but uh, that is absolutely amazing there. Paul. So, Paul, thank you for being a part of the show. Do you have anything you would like to say, Paul, before you, we get up out of here today? I need somebody to uh, improve my looks. <laughs> 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 no, I just encourage everybody to get involved because these children desperately need loving people like you. Awesome, awesome, guys. Listen, uh, I told you, uh, don't let his uh, serious demeanor uh, fool you. Paul is definitely a comedian uh, by heart. I think he missed his trade uh, uh, somewhere along the lines earlier in his life. But uh, he's doing what he wants to do right now. I think he's been doing a fantastic job of it. Guys, listen, uh, circumstances and life challenge uh, challenges us all. It always challenges all, and it can be especially challenging uh, when you're a child uh, in different situations, traumatizing situation. Uh, we could be a solution and make a difference, as we've heard here today. And maybe we too can find a way and help fill the gaps. Guys, listen, it's about that time, and as always, it's been a real blast. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the show, and thank you for being here today. Guys, don't forget to join the show and tune in each Thursday, 6.30 p.m. Central, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, right here. And guys, don't forget you can stream in on your favorite streaming platform like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Pandora, and so many more. Thank you once again, Paul Berry of the Foster Coalition for being here today. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in. And as always in party, if you're going to tell me something, then tell me something good. I'm out of here, guys. We got to go. See you next week.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.